I'm Phil Mutz, VP of News and Entertainment at PureWow. And I'm Dara Katz, Executive Editor at PureWow. We are the hosts of And Just Like That, a Sex and the City reboot podcast. Where we react, converse, spill the tea, and get carried, sorry, away on the new Sex and the City season. Now is a good time to tell you that there will obviously be spoilers. So join us as we revisit and relive Sex and the City. Dara, we are here and episode six is done and we are flying through this season. Oh my goodness. We are already 60% done with this reboot. Already. All it's nuts. ready. Yeah. Let's let everybody know what we just missed this week. Um, Or what we just enjoyed. What we didn't or miss. You didn't yeah. miss. Okay. I guess why would you listen to the podcast? <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't watch the show. You just come to the podcast to hear us tell you about the show. I guess people do that, no, right? No, my little brother like read all the Wikipedia for Lord of the Rings and like he loves spoilers. <laughs> I think it helps people like not be stressed out. Anyways. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, Carrie buys, moves into and sells a downtown condo. Anthony inquires about a facelift. Charlotte confronts her racist doll collection. Miranda masturbates within an inch of her life. Seema breaks up with a made up boyfriend, Dennis at Diwali and Naya grapples with her fertility journey. Do we have to move on? This episode begs to question. And just like that, Carrie ends up back in her West Village abode, reminding us that sometimes you have to go back to move forward. Or maybe that was a prophecy in the Game of Thrones. I can't tell the difference anymore. I love that. So now if you didn't watch Like Dara's Brother, you now know exactly what you missed. Um, But before we dive into episode six, I kind of wanted to circle back to something we were talking about last week. Um, We we were speculating a lot on, and particularly you, uh, on the the potential of uh, (laughs) accusation, (laughs) particularly you, Dara, on the possibility that Samantha could maybe potentially in some universe return. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions about, like, what is this even about? Like, what is this whole, you know, argument about? Is there an argument? Why isn't she on the show? Why do people think she and Sarah Jessica Parker hate each other? So just kind of wanted to, like, do a quick little dive into what the history is between, you know, Kim and Sarah. So basically, to kind of catch everybody up, like, in 2004, it just came out into the public that there were pay discrepancies between the actresses and that uh, Kim Cattrall was not, you know, financially benefiting in the way that Sarah Jessica Parker uh, was from the show. And she kind of made that known. Um, at the time, she didn't blame Sarah Jessica Parker, but she did bring it up. And then between then and like 2010, there was a I'm lot of... I'm not blaming you, but I'm bringing it up. Well, exactly. But, you know, this could be HBO. This could be the show, the showrunners. But uh, Sarah Jessica Parker was a producer, so would even get more money from that, whereas Kim Cattrall was not getting that that financial, you know benefit. But then between then and 2010, her and SJP, you know, every interview, they were just denying any feud rumors. Everything was, I love you. I love you. I love working with her. She's the greatest. And then in 2016, 17, when they were talking about the Sex and the City 3 movie, that's kind of when the rumors really hit the fan. Um, And again, they're all rumors because they're not really super substantiated with one exception that I'm about to get to. Um, But Kim Cattrall said she didn't want to do the third movie. It was, like, not clear exactly why. There were rumors that it was that she didn't want the movie to just be about big dying, that because then it wouldn't be about the four women. It would be about just Sarah Jessica Parker's character. Uh, Willie Garson kind of implied in a tweet that it was over negotiations again, like money. Um, But she basically just said, I don't want to do it. But then you get to 2017, and Kim Cattrall says that they were never friends, that they were only colleagues. And then the next year is when the big event, the only non-rumor piece of proof that we have is that when Kim Cattrall's brother tragically dies, 
Sarah Jessica Parker sent like well wishes, like very publicly and was very publicly rejected um, by Kim Cattrall, who was like, I don't want your well wishes. I, you are not my friend. You are not my family. Mm-hmm. You are exploiting this tragedy. And then that was it. Every Ever since then, Sarah Jessica Parker had denied there was drama. She hasn't uh, said anything negative publicly about Kim Cattrall. She's gone out of her way actively to not do that and just say that she respects her. I mean, I'm I don't so know. Many, now, okay, I have followed along with all of this like when it was happening. And I remember being like, wow, Kim Cattrall, yikes. Why are you being such a bitch? Um, hearing it back because Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, Kristen Davis are all best friends or yeah present as such to the public and to think of them potentially all gaslighting kim cattrall into thinking into saying like publicly like we were all friends what are you talking about is kind of weird like if kim cattrall never felt that way it's it's just a strange dynamic that upon retrospect i i mean why did sarah jessica parker publicly say something to kim cattrall about her brother i mean kind of weird yeah, and it just it, to your point, it just seems very odd that like you're, you're exactly right. Like three people are saying there's one version of reality, and one person is saying there's another version mm-hmm. of reality, and it's just it's very hard to you almost always don't believe the one person, right? Because you're like everyone's aligned, but it does feel like in this case that the, it felt so personal, and she was so passionate that it does feel like they must have been gaslighting her, and who knows? Like I don't want to, I don't want to presume, but it does seem like they were acting like everything's fine. I don't understand why you're not part of the family. Yeah, or um, on set, Kim Cattrall's professional and just, you know, didn't air any of her beef besides the financial thing, which is, you know, people should, women especially, should ask for what they think they deserve. Um, absolutely. But <laughs> thank you, Phil. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe she was professional on set. And then like when years later, they want to continue this professional thing that she doesn't want to be a part of. They're they're shocked because she didn't air it then, which is fine because this is work for Kim Cattrall. Now, did you ever listen to the podcast Origins? No. By James Andrew Miller. Tell me. He does a different season about different things. Like, I think there's a Beyonce Origins, but there is a Sex and the City Origins that came out um, during the 20th anniversary of the show. And it's fantastic. And it really goes into this. Now, I didn't listen to it recently. I listened to it when it came out, I think, in like 2018. So I'm I'm trying to jog my memory here. But Kim Cattrall wasn't interviewed for it. But all the other actors speak about it. And they are Mm. they do express surprise at what went down. But another angle that was really interesting is that when Sex and the City launched in like, was it 1998? Yes. When the show premiered, Kim Cattrall was actually a much bigger star than Sarah Jessica Parker. So when the sh- it unfolded that this was SJP's show and Kim Cattrall was really like the butt of the joke, essentially, I think it really was a hit to her ego. And that kind of started this feud, this icy feud that no one else knew about. Interesting. I like yeah. all of this. Um, and now that we're caught up, uh, the reason we bring it up is obviously last week we implied that maybe there's a one in a million chance that she sh- she could come back. Um, so a couple things. Like one, uh, Cottrell has gone on on record saying she will never play this character again. And Michael Patrick King about this reboot said 100% she is not involved 100%. So now, he, she is he could 100% be lying. not involved. Like I know my head yeah. says she's not involved. My heart is like she's... She is going to show up for sure. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, there were the other, other rumors that, and I think we can very quickly run through these because I think they are things that would not happen. Rumors were, or not even rumors, people talked about uh, actively and were interviewing these famous people about it. Sharon Stone just taking over the role and just stepping in and being Samantha. Uh, Why? I know. I don't know. Uh, Cynthia Nixon and Kim Cattrall themselves both uh, suggested at one point that a woman of color take over the role, but uh, the same role, Samantha. That's not a good solution. I hey. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge was asked, and she was like, "Uh, no, no one could play this but Kim Cattrall." You know, and and Sarah Jessica Parker, ahead of the reboot, said, "We're not looking to create a fourth character." So it, there, we're it looking clear... to create twenty new characters. Exactly, exactly. Um, so you know, there were rumors that Kim Cattrall would be killed off in this in this thing, <laughs> um, which you know, I mean, I'm glad they killed off someone and, and they picked the right person to kill off. Um, obviously, but we were told ahead of time that that wouldn't happen. I do. Okay, this is veering in a different direction, and I do want to bring this up because I think it's important. All the press that Chris Knopf, who has since horrible allegations of sexual assault have come out against him. But leading up to this, in there are years and years and examples upon examples of Chris Knopf. Is it Knopf or Knopf? Whatever. I think it's Knopf, but Saying whatever. how like much he hated being on Sex and the City, how much he didn't like the show, how the show ruined Sex and the City. Um, super negative stuff that if someone like Kim Cattrall, a.k.a. a woman, was doing, she would, like, we would be stomping on her grave right now. Yeah, I think that's we a great We would not point. give her that forgiveness. And all of a sudden, it took so much to, like, finally come to terms with who this person is. And, oh, he's a bad guy because of, like, you know, the worst thing possible. But but it's it's maybe been clear that he's been a bad guy all along. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not she comes back, I, I mean, God, I hope she does. And I hope you're right. Uh It's good to know all of the possible potential disasters that we did avoid, that we made it here without a Sharon Stone, without Jennifer Coolidge stepping in, and we didn't kill off Samantha. So maybe they made some really great decisions in that writer's room. True. And just what if you are missing Kim Cattrall and need a little Kim Cattrall kick, I guess, please go to YouTube.com and Google Kim Cattrall scatting. It's incredible, Dara. Sophos Array. I'll I'll leave it at that. Press pause and go do that now because it is incredible. Well, okay, well, listen to the episode and then go do it. Episode six. Okay, let's dive in. Um, so a lot happens, but also not a lot happens. It mm-hmm. seems like it seems like they're really hitting a theme over the head this week. You know, changing versus staying the same, and we get like ten thousand examples of that. Um, it it seems like I that they should just na- name the episode changing versus staying the same. Um, it was like. <laughs> Charlotte hanging on to like the memory of like or, or the dolls, which are clearly, you know, appropriation. We we have uh, the apartment like I should move to a new apartment because I shouldn't die in the same apartment that I've been in for the last 25 years. There's a literal facelift me- uh, scene. Um, there's an argument and Charlotte says out loud, why do things have to change? You know, so like we really are getting hit with this theme. But if you can kind of ignore it, I liked the things that happened, <laughs> but it just felt like very heavy handed that they all have had to be on this theme this week. Yeah, I, I'll say this. It was two steps forward last week, a giant step back this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So does that we mean we're go, back Phil? in the same spot? Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, yeah. It, how do we yeah. go from that Miss Sony dress in the last shot of Carrie getting her groove back to this episode of Carrie once again? Being like super bummed out that her husband died, of course, realistically, yeah. sure, but like, ugh. I thought we moved on a little. I I agree. I I want to say though, I do 
kind of want to talk about Carrie's fashion in this episode because I was watching and I was like, oh, she's kind of dressed like Diane Keaton. I'm getting like Diane Keaton real life and Annie Hall vibes. Uh, Yes, masculine for sure. And then she did it again in a second scene and then she did it again in a third scene and then in a fourth scene. So she she starts with like a long brown blazer and like houndstooth slacks in the like very first scene. Then she's wearing in the sorry shopping scene, she's wearing a men's hat and a long matching coat. And then in the storage unit, she's wearing a flannel shirt. And then in the doctor's office, she's wearing a maroon pantsuit. And when she takes it off, she's wearing suspenders and looks even more like Diane Keaton. And then at the very end of the episode. I would say she looks like, um, you know, Joel Grey in Cabaret, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but th- I think that. What about her picnic attire, Phil? She wore like a power suit to lunch. She was wearing all of this, I think, on purpose to lead up to that last moment when she exits wearing Big's men's blazer over her big, fabulous rose dress. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think we were I I think this felt intentional. um, And I actually really liked this little like journey because I think it was so obvious in the the previous episode where Mm -hmm. she was like, I'm not dressing up at all. And then you get that last fabulous moment. Um, This it felt like, oh, I feel like I'm on a story here. And the episode, which was directed by Cynthia Nixon, I think Mm -hmm. it feels like it was they were all intentionally placed to lead up to this moment where she's. God willing, saying goodbye to this whole big thing because she puts on the blazer and it's almost like I've made peace. She's got the boxes of stuff. She's got the records in the apartment. Like she's like, I like the last 15 years of my life. We can now move forward. So while I think it felt that way at the end of the last episode, I think it took a whole episode of those giants, that giant step backwards to kind of get back to that place again, where it's like, okay, Carrie can now just move forward. I I like it in terms of what, the the story the costumes are saying i hate it in terms of like okay we've done this let's move on you know what i mean like i'm I, cool it's like part two boring yeah i'm sorry why aren't we just moving on i thought we did this yeah i get that i thought we did this i wanted her to wake up in bed next to like one of Anthony's hot bread boys, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still time. There's still time. Also, can I just, I don't even want to talk about this. I just, Anthony is so goddamn annoying in this ser- I series. And I He's think it's just because. Fire. Yeah. I'm like, are you even trying? You're not funny anymore. And I think maybe we're just getting too much of him because now we don't have Stanford. Yeah. So they've and given also, his scenes to him. I think he I was very on PC back in the day, probably. And they don't really know what to do with him mm. anymore. I- I feel like he's got this like snarkiness that just I, I'm like, what is likable about you? Why is Carrie Nothing. like doing you a favor and going to this like facelift doctor with you? Like she clearly doesn't want to go. She says she doesn't want to go. And then she's forced to go. OK, I did like the facelift scene because mm-hmm. I do think that's a real thing. A woman in her 50s wants to experience. You want to go to a great doctor. You want to get the Botox. You want to get the fillers. But you also want the doctor to tell you you don't need anything. But if you leave, you know, you still pay the copay and it's so much money so you want them to do something (laughs) i liked how she was like help me but don't help me and you're offensive and then i mean jonathan groff played the hot 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 doctor Uh he gave anthony a thigh slap it was weird a love interest for sjp i was confused she's going to a lot of doctors but not having sex with a lot of doctors so I don't know. Yeah, I think you're. we're setting up a lot of different uh, potential love interests and none of them are coming to fruition. It's making me mad. Um, but I, that was a weird moment with, with him slapping Anthony's thigh and just telling him he's hot. Yeah. And saying like, oh. like your Italian skin, like, I don't know, kind of weird. Also, 
there is no fan fiction of Stanford and Anthony banging. There is yeah. no sexual chemistry there. It, yeah. it is so wrongly written. <laughs> like, <laughs> stop talking about it. Like, let's just move on and pretend that it didn't happen. Okay, we will forgive you. I would love nothing more than that. Honestly, I, we could just do without Anthony at this point. I don't need to hear any. Definitely, I don't need to hear about their sex life. I, and to no. be honest, I don't want to hear about Anthony's sex life beyond Stanford. Because no. Stanford also just left too. And I don't know. I just, none of it interests me. His storyline doesn't interest me. I don't want any more of him. They drop in that like, I think he was cheating on Stanford the whole time. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. But of course, yeah. we're not going to. No. Learn about that. <laughs> no, the only interesting th things that happen are that and when they, they the last line of that scene a couple episodes ago is, oh, also he wrote a note that we're divorced. We want a divorce. So we're um, we're divorcing. I was and like, he's in Japan. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, he's just gone. <laughs> yeah. Enough about him. I want to talk about Seema. Please. Okay. I'm going to say something controversial, Phil. Okay. I hope you do. Seema is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not controversial. No. But the actor who plays her I don't think she's showing up for work. Like, truly. I think she's like 60% there. I think her line deliveries are really strange. And like, she's reading off a prompter. And I'm I'm kind of sick of seeing like, why is the only storyline for someone in their 50s still about being single or finding love? Like, can we talk about loneliness or being alone as a grown woman without talking about partnership or pleasing our parents? Like, this just feels like, yesterday a little yeah and i think they get there a, like eventually we get to the the car ride where they talk about loneliness and carrie asks if she's like ever lonely you know and of course she says she is sometimes but i i agree that i think it's more interesting to just we don't need this made up dennis is that his name dennis the the fictional yeah. uh boyfriend i don't or whatever i dennis I don't, sucks I, you know, dennis, <laughs> dennis i mean he's a doctor suck. without borders who doesn't exist so it felt okay. flat to me mm -hmm. i'm sorry it felt flat no, I don't think that's a controversial take. I think I, I see what you're saying with the like 60% showing up. She does, the actress Sarita Chaudhry does have, and I really like her in other things. Uh, She does have odd line readings. It almost seems like she's yeah. trying to play a character that isn't her. She's and so it's just coming across as a down to earth mm -hmm. character. And she's, you know, she's relaxed usually. And then she's like, you know, more standing up straight and she's dressed in tailored clothes and whatever. But it, I don't know. It is yeah, strange. It, maybe it's just it's too like uh, I went to theater school kind of thing. But it does feel like she's playing at a character mm -hmm. more than she's like just like embodying this. Like I, I, I've never seen her not embody her character before. So I, I think th I've it is never odd seen that it's her not, not fully... embody her character. <laughs> well, I, like I can't I can't picture I, like I had positive like thoughts about her going into this being like I loved I love this actress. And you're right. I think you watch her scenes and they just feel a little like ingenuine. I'm not like fully getting a. There's a reason why I'm not emotionally attached to her at the totally. moment. Totally, and also and maybe it's yeah a storyline that's written for her. But so I wanted to mention this a little earlier. But I heard some hot goss, which was which might explain why the show's, especially this episode, feels just so like padded and like there's so much extra dialogue that doesn't really do much. I mm -hmm. had heard that they filmed a bunch of flashbacks with Big. <gasps> Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, that they cut for obvious reasons, but obviously, oh, that makes a lot of and sense. And I don't need those. Like, e no, no, oh no, don't need at all. But thought that could explain some stuff. That does explain a lot. Um, to keep going with uh with Sima a little bit. So in the there was a little bit of controversy, which has been cleared up, but obviously, especially now that the episode is out, 
around Sarah Jessica Parker wearing a sari. So obviously she wore it and on set paparazzi took pictures of her and they leaked. And then on social media, um, there were cries of cultural appropriation. Um, and Sarita Chaudhary, the actress had to actually go in an interview and be like, it's okay. Y'all just like, wait until you see it. Uh, her quote was even I even I thought to myself that if they take paparazzi shots, people will think this is cultural appropriation and it is so not. I'm Indian. Sarah Jessica Parker is aware of these things. Um, and then in the scene, they actually have a whole conversation about it, too, where uh, Sarah Jessica Parker asks, like, is that OK? Like, can I wear a sari? And she says it's not cultural appropriation. It's cultural appreciation. You mean it goes into um, an after school special and gives like a. <laughs> perfectly delivered little gift of what cultural appropriation means, which I think is actually dangerous because if you sum it up like that so simply, then the definition doesn't always necessarily meet what's actually happening because mm-hmm. our world is changing so fast. And I don't know. I just thought it was like kind of It does imply that there's no do. gray area, that it's black and yeah, white and right here it's, it's okay, okay. if you're going to a party that I'm inviting you to. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I of course I didn't, think this had any issues on the show and i love seeing the different fashion and different cultures and yeah but i don't there was so much of that again with like the charlotte stuff and the talking about pronouns and non-binary like it's a little like can we move on and just exist in this world a little yeah, and I, I, we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast. I know. I'm I, sorry. I just, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I actually, no, I think it's great because I think it ties back to something we talk about all the time, which is just that they keep they keep starting from scratch which, with each of these characters and how they approach a thing as opposed to just being in the middle of it, you know? And I, I really feel like, like, I don't know, not nobody knows everything, but like these women have existed for the past 15 years, as Carrie points out and as, you know, Miranda points out. So have they really learned nothing? Like it, it almost feels like they were just like dropped into 2000 and whatever year it is, 22. And totally. now they're like, wait, what do you mean th- all of this? And it, it, it feels like we should have gotten there over the years, not suddenly now, but fine. So I wanted to raise this question, which, you know, if we're going back 15 years or thinking about the past as this episode is begging us to do, is Carrie annoying again as she got so annoying in the original <laughs> series? Because here we have a woman who is so wealthy that she's buying and selling apartments that I think I've seen on Million Dollar Listing Bravo TV show. And she's just like not content. She can't figure out anything. She has a refrigerator that blends into her wall, which is everyone's dream. Oh, my God. It's and all I want. she's just kind of complaining <laughs> again after mm-hmm. after Miranda had that heart to heart with her. It's still kind of all about Carrie and I get it she's grieving but the real estate of it all is like you have many options to sleep and beautiful places to live so let's like stop complaining you know what I mean yeah and the fact that we even get to see her in both of her Manhattan apartments throughout the episode Mm -hmm. when she wants to be back in her original brownstone am I a river person or like I mean (laughs) can I live by the water it's like such an unrelatable conversation yeah yeah Uh, so you found that the carry annoyingness perhaps was coming out of like a spoiled lack of awareness lack of self-awareness in this case yeah, it's just like harping on, oh, yeah, I'm sorry if people like this episode and I'm just being kind of a carry myself and being a bummer. But like <laughs> we had the real estate episode already where we, see, you know, we've had that. Why are we doing it a 
again. And like, she's already returned to her West Village brownstone. So why is she returning again? <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a really good point. I actually didn't even think about that because it was just so on theme where it was like new versus old or like new versus the change versus the way things have been because of this ridiculous theme mm-hmm. uh, that I it just felt like, oh, that's of course why they're doing this apartment thing. But we you're right. We already did this. She already lived in an apartment that was no longer her home. It was, mm-hmm. you know, she sold it. She went back to her roots. She did decide, you know, like the way things were was it was right for me, at least in this case. And then we moved it forward again to it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But that's another repeat issue that perhaps we didn't need to waste uh, 20 minutes on in this episode. I want to talk about the problem with Naya, Dr. Naya Wallace. Let's talk about it. First of all, her scenes, different show. Like, what show are we watching? She's clearly like 30s, talking about infertility and kids and baby. And while infertility, fertility, all very important conversations. So many people go through these things. Um, We did have Charlotte go through infertility already. So I do think it's just like kind of strange to bring it up again in a show that's supposed to be more about women in their 50s who never get airtime on television. You know what I mean? And we have had, there are so many storylines in this show that are just like, we're going to try them all that it does seem odd to include one that we've already done. That's that's an interesting point. And it also just, and again, not to diminish what this character is going through, but it does feel like that's the only topic of conversation we're getting about her or things we're learning about her. And I understand it's because there's just limited screen time for her as a character. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, like I I kind of want to know other things about her life. Like in the first conversation where she goes out to dinner with Miranda a couple episodes ago, they talk about it. You know, I mean, so this does seem and I understand it's like top of mind. And Miranda's a mother who can perhaps give, you know, advice. And like, so there's this Miranda contrast, can't give advice. But, I'm well, sorry. I mean, clearly, based on what Miranda's happened last just like, episode. OK, when you're masturbating, just um, <laughs> try to lock your door, I guess. And when your kid's masturbating, um, have him lock uh, his door, I we, guess. Please, please, please talk about the weird fantasy flashbacks of Miranda and Che. Uh, the, Phil, the white I background. I don't uh, want to talk about Che. <laughs> I hate Che. It was like, so weird. We are hyper like sexualizing one of the most unlikable characters that's ever been on my TV screen. Mm-hmm. I hate Che. I'm sorry. I think Che's a narcissist. I don't mind that. I I like that Che and Miranda boned, finger boned mm-hmm. in the kitchen. Finger bone. One I finger, like as we've been told. Line, but Che's annoying. Like I don't want to. Like ugh. The show is painting uh, Che as if they are in no way annoying because Charlotte also is having sex dreams about Che and uses the words, I think, charismatic and cool. And I was like, yeah, they are (laughs) cool, I guess. But they're verified on Instagram. (laughs) They're verified on Instagram. Also, so that was the first time in three months because we got a flash flash forward at the end of the last episode uh, for Carrie with her ankle. So -hmm. in three months since this finger banging happened, there has been no communication between Rambo and Shay. That's strange to me. Uh-huh. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're right. Odd. Very odd. You're you're always looking like into the like <laughs> Why are deep looking cuts at the of tech? The, okay, I'm looking at the, the very it's, fine print. Every everyone's They're probably like, like, we don't need to address this fine print. Everyone's it's like, where's small. Samantha? And I'm like, no, no, the text messages. It's all about the text messages. The timestamp. <laughs> Did you see the timestamp? Uh no, Phil. Fine. 
But okay, I'm so no, glad you Nobody did. else saw the timestamp. But regardless, it did seem like it was the first message, which I thought was an interesting plot point because I thought this was going to launch some relationship between them. And perhaps we're going to get that. Uh, but it will have been after a very large time gap, which is interesting. The other thing about that is when Miranda comes clean to Charlotte that she and Che did their thing in the kitchen. Charlotte yells, it's an affair. So I'm wondering, <laughs> Phil, can one, is it an affair if your spouse is but a ghost? I mean, is I, Steve with us anymore? Like we, it does seem like we've just abandoned the actor and maybe rightfully so. Cause those scenes were just so blah. I like, if I had to, again, we've talked about she sees enough, but I, I, yeah, it's still an affair, but only because as written on the page, they are still married. Um, you know, even if we are not seeing this ghost of a man, uh, I think they, uh, yeah, it's an affair. But I think we're going to need it to come to a head, which I can't imagine it doesn't. It wouldn't be good TV to not have her tell Steve or Steve find out. So this has right. to all resolve. I soon. just, I guess I'm finding it weird, like to see Seema's family in a show that historically has never shown us anyone's family. Mm. Like when Miranda's mom dies, like we never meet Miranda's mom. We never meet Carrie's family. Like mm -hmm. the show kind of lived in this fantastical place where like they were all each other had. And like sometimes we would hear about, you know, a sibling or a parent or whatever. But all of a sudden we're going like headfirst into Seema's family. We were watching her dad watch TV. And I don't know, I'd rather spend time elsewhere with our core characters yeah and yes. ltw we've we've met the mother-in-law multiple times now you know so this is yeah, yeah this i mean seems to be the mother-in-law with ltw is kind of like a bunny figure like the tray mm -hmm. tray's That's mom true. so i mm -hmm. don't mind her because she like it does mirror then charlotte's existence by her with her own yeah yeah wow phil point yet wow. so oh goodness. yeah not just timestamps over here <laughs> the other thing i can't stop thinking about while miranda is masturbating and having sex dreams about Che and, you know, that finger banging episode last week um, is that she could have been our governor. <laughs> like, I'm just like, Governor <laughs> Cynthia Nixon. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> like, can we I, talk about that? Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, so if, if she were Governor Cynthia Nixon, which, <laughs> spoiler alert, she's not. Uh, if you would, haven't been would, keeping up, spoiler would, alert. <laughs> she did not win. Uh, she did not win. Um, but would we really be seeing uh, Cynthia Nixon then even after the governorship in a masturbation scene on and just like that uh, probably not uh thank that probably God would have changed lost. the course of yeah thank God we needed we needed this we never would have gotten what we needed if she had won completely I guess my final note on this whole episode was just simply they need to burn the boats let's let's leave behind what we've done and go to new territory like we're done with big we're done with old storylines. We're done with the apartment. Let's move on and see Carrie in some more clothes. Well, and I keep thinking they make steps in the right direction, like at the end of last episode, where they fast fast forwarded three months. And I'm mm -hmm. like, finally, they're doing this. You, they're, to, to quote you, burn the boats. They're burning the boats. And they then just went right back to where they were three months earlier. Mm -hmm. It seems like they just chose a three months month time jump to get her out of hip surgery and recovery so we didn't have to see that mm -hmm. more than it was to actually move anything forward it was like no no everything's still the same uh you know miranda and charlotte still haven't discussed this affair moment you know 
every nothing else has happened. You've missed nothing except for her hips all better. Isn't this great? And it's like, well, you kind of you really could have used this as an opportunity to get us to new storylines, but that's fine. Also, I I I know last week both of us noticed that goddamn rainbow blanket and it was back, it was back. in this episode. Oh, I saw it and I went, Dara, Dara, we got to talk about the blanket. Phil, and there's nothing I to talk posted about, on Reddit it's... asking <gasps> the Redditors what blanket yeah? is this? Not a response. I posted on it. Even Reddit? I would think that everywhere. would be the place to go to. Okay. Not a oh. response. Are we just to assume that this is an unpurchasable blanket? Because I also have Googled, you know, Carrie Bradshaw rainbow blanket more than I should and have found nothing. I know. Me too. If if you are listening, maker of this blanket, please come to us with <laughs> where we can probably just dream about purchasing you. Because I'm sure it costs like $1 billion. But I just want to know who makes such a beautiful blanket. It just felt so comforting, too. Mm-hmm. It, that that made me long for the old Sex in the City. And she was just in her apartment in this episode. And she was curled up with a book. And she had the, you know, the blanket on. And I was like... Yeah, I could watch this for a little while. This is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt really nice, very homey. But overall, I felt like this episode was felt like the shot of Carrie in her big white condo, like making salmon and mm-hmm. just in a big blank box, like just kind of like puffed out, boring <laughs> with like this yeah. amazing charismatic woman who I wish was doing a little more. Yeah, besides trying to track down a beep, Although I will say- I thought say, it was going to tell us something. I know, I know. I was like, this has to give us information. This is Big's I, pager. Or like, or, this is his- Or at the very yeah. least, you have to you have to at least tell us what it was, even if it wasn't something important. You're right. They we never just never get us. Look, Anthony says four times, it's definitely the dishwasher. It's the dishwa- dishwasher. And I'm like, of course she already looked at the dishwasher. She's oh not an God. idiot. But like, you didn't tell us what it was after all that. She just moves and we'll never find out. I know. I can't believe they didn't end it end up with something like and it was this thing that somehow tied the episode in a bow like yeah, yeah. it just was really just a, another thing to torture her like the sunlight which i also was like all right i understand there's a lot of light in that place but she made like eight references to like i'm on the surface of the sun and she was laying right. with sunglasses in bed like how who who gets 1-800 mattress delivered but doesn't get curtains delivered then you need Phil, to get blackout I was curtains like, you're not getting you the purple mattress like with your cash you're getting like 1-800 mattress I, I don't know what that is but yeah like I just <laughs> a little a really inconsistent yeah hey maybe 1-800 mattress like Peloton threw a little money at this show and was just hoping for uh, some kind of exciting reference which they got you know? did you catch what book she was reading when she said this isn't healthy. Like in the no. beginning, you were staring at the blanket. I tried to see what yeah. she was reading, but I, I would oh, assume I you would have looked looked into it. Phil, okay, but. well, now I feel bad that I missed this detail. Don't worry, y'all. I, I will tell you next week, but you can find it out too by just watching the episode again, I'm sure. Um, okay, so do we have any in Just Like That's to wrap things up today? Oh, completely. I got one for you. Mm-hmm. And Just Like That, Carrie wore Fendi sandals zip lining. <laughs> what? And just like that, who made Carrie go ziplining? It wasn't big. <laughs> like, I was just like, right, who right. did this to her? Aiden? Yeah. It wasn't know. the other women. There's no way they wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> and just like that, Charlotte is all about Marie condoing her life, which makes total sense. And just like that, is Dennis single now, ready to mingle? <laughs> <laughs> like that that's your takeaway. <laughs> And just like that, I miss the days when Anthony was only a minor character. 
And just like that, who is buying bread from him? It's a valid question. And just like that, Charlotte's sex dreams involve doing it on a ferry. Who knew? Hmm. And just like that, Carrie got her groove back again. Again. Dara, this has been so fun. So I love fun, about this with you. And all this said, I love the show. <laughs> I mean, I, I, even if we didn't have a podcast, all I would still obviously be watching this. Yeah, I really it's like amazing. watching it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy every second of it. But I just, yeah, I'm with you. Well, until next time, Dara. Until next time. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us all those reviews. You can follow us on Instagram at shows or at PureWow. You can follow me at KDara. And you can follow me at The Real Phil Mutz. And help us grow by sharing our podcast with your friends. We'll be back next week. And just like that, a Sex and the City reboot podcast is a PureWow and Gallery Media Group production.